Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, LZ, the mayor. Now let's get to it. All right, Enterprisers, today we have a Mr. Jewel Love on the show. I'm super excited about this conversation for several reasons, and I'm sure by the end of the talk, you guys will understand why. But Mr. Jewel, the first that I like to do on the show is ask you, and this is very important. This will set the tone for this whole talk. Can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. Perfect, perfect. So ran across you on LinkedIn, and as I told you before we hit record, I like to do a little bit of a recon before I, I send my connection requests. I just think that that's proper and in, in order for uh, people who are, are professional and serious about what they do. So I saw your post. can't remember exactly which one it was. Went to your website and black executive men. I thought, huh, that's an intriguing title. And so I go on and I, I read about what you guys do. And I, I was fascinated and I'm like, I got to figure out a way to talk to this guy because I love what you do. I love why you do it, even though you haven't told me why you do it yet. And I love the fact that you're helping black men level up. So how did you get into that? Like, that's not something that you study in school. No, no, it's not. So do you want the short end or the medium? Let's do the two minute version. Okay. I like that one. So I'm mixed biracial. My father is African-American, tall, dark-skinned black man, born in Missouri, raised in Chicago. Met my white mother, Oakland, California. She's Scottish-Canadian. And they had me and my twin sister. So my dad is an entrepreneur, always has been. All of his business has been in and for the black community. So there's always been a level of black community uplift. And any one of his, whether we were selling roses out by the lake or yo-yos or <laughs> sodas or Whatever, or clean it, clean and sober nightclubs, it always had this community uplift component to it. So I always knew because it's in my blood that I was going to be an entrepreneur of some sort. In my 20s, jumped around career to career. My friends are getting their law degree, getting married, getting the house, getting the car. I'm floundering. It's time for me to get some help. I go to therapy. Love it. Changed my life. Decided to become a therapist graduated, went to an internship, a company I didn't feel appreciated. The company, I was one of the only few men of color there. I saw my peers getting promoted past me, getting the raises. It's not happening for me. I decided to leave and go for what I wanted. And I wanted a mentor who was black, Latino, or biracial that worked with men of color and that knew men of color issues and who was also very successful. I found one. 
brother named Eugene Porter, Jamaican-American descent, office in Oakland. Wildly successful, owns the entire building with 10 different therapy suites. He takes me under his wing, and for the next four years, he helps me open black executive men. So it started off as a general psychotherapy practice, and there was this one young brother who walked in late 20s, I think, maybe early 30s, Harvard grad, suited, sharp, just sharp. And it was at that moment that I knew I wanted to work with black men in corporate America specifically. Not teens, not kids, not guys fresh out of prison. This specific demographic. And so I did. And then Google came knocking, Microsoft, NVIDIA, PayPal, Medtronic, Capital One, Trimble, Upwork, other orgs. And I started doing trainings for them. And then the demand became higher for coaching over time than psychotherapy. There's more stigma around psychotherapy. It's less accepted in the corporate realm. And I up-leveled to the point where now I have 15 different staff members with coaches and online event planners and our speakers, et cetera, et cetera. And we focus on coaching mainly the B2C, but sometimes we still do get B2B contracts for working with black men, specifically in corporate America. A lot of our demographic director level enough. So that was really my inspiration behind it and what got me locked in on it and, uh, and what's going on. Very cool. So I have so many questions. So kind of going back to the, the entrepreneurial upbringing, you sort of grew up in an entrepreneurial environment. What made you go away from that as you graduated high school and went into decided what career you were going to go into? Yeah, so I graduated with a bachelor in black studies. You know, I was more on the political and the activism side of things. I wasn't even thinking about career. That wasn't really things my parents were talking to me about so much. What are you going to do with your degree? I mean, like there are things I can do, but that conversation was more just like go for your passion. So I graduated and I didn't really have a focus on what I wanted to do professionally. So I needed money immediately. And being an entrepreneur doesn't always do that. It can take a while to actually get enough money coming in to pay bills, et cetera, et cetera. So essentially I needed money, but many times I'd have a side hustle going on, you know, trying to teach yoga. I was on that for a while, but $10, $20, it's just not enough to pay the bill. So I just didn't have an idea that would be sustainable for me. So essentially I had to get a job. But there were jobs that I did enjoy and that, you know, I definitely learned from as well. But it was mainly because I needed money and didn't have a business to sustain me. I wonder if we ask that question to every entrepreneur on the face of the planet, what their answer would be. If I said, have you ever had a job that you like loved? I've had a lot of jobs. There was only one job that I could say that I liked. I've never had a job that I loved. Like not even one. I had a ton of jobs that I hated, but I was great at because I needed to be great at them because I needed to. I, I was married young, had a family, had to, you know, had to do what I had to do. But is that similar with you? Like, have you ever had a job like you're like, oh, my gosh, just love this job? Or has it always been like, hey, this is more of a, a means to an end? You know what I did? So in my mid 30s, I worked at a therapy clinic, and I'll still get in my hours, called Laheim in Oakland, California. And it was an outpatient partial hospitalization program. And the culture was, it wasn't necessarily do your own thing 
fully, but there was a lot of freedom for me to run my own operation inside of the organization. So literally, I could come in and there's a couch on one side of the room where all the therapists were working, doing their computer thing, consulting with each other. You could just go to sleep right there on that couch pretty much as long as you wanted to, as long as you weren't missing your sessions and your one-on-ones. And so I did. I did that. I definitely took naps on, on that couch a bunch of times. And I could do my notes when I wanted, groups, I could more or less run them how I wanted to. So there was a lot of independence on that job. And it was supported there. It was damn near the philosophy of it. So that was probably the, the number one job I could say. I loved it there. Yeah, I had a great time. The downside was the money. It just was capped very low. But the experience, the day-to-day, was it was great. Yeah. But I'm hearing some underlying entrepreneurial things in there, right? You said freedom. You had the support of culture. You had the ability to kind of do your own thing. Absolutely. In your work now, when you're working with black men executives, are you finding that that's a tie-in as well? Culture, freedom, support of culture, are those all aspects of what you're finding that black men, executive men are looking for? Yeah. So we go for the three S's, that salary, seniority, and satisfaction. And so even guys, when they can get to the salary, which definitely a number of guys are doing, and seniority, elude them. Um, and it could just be, that could be a challenge just from a culture fit uh, standpoint, which is usually what it is or around the, the level of satisfaction. But then it can also tie into not being given the looks and the opportunities to get the promotions and, and get the raises as well. But it can be figured out and guys are figuring it out. But that's a huge piece of the puzzle that I think eludes a lot of our clients. Some don't even believe it's possible. Yeah, I'll never forget. There was a company that not like you, I didn't love it, but I was comfortable enough because they had a really healthy culture, leadership culture. But it seemed to have a ceiling in terms of when it was my turn to be the leader. (laughs) It's like it was awesome. We'll support you. We'll help you go to leadership classes. We'll I could go and get you binders and binders of stuff, certificates and all the stuff until it came time for the position. And then it was never my turn. It was never my opportunity. And so I think like a lot of your clients, I realized that I could fight this battle for another 5, 10, 15 years, or I could do something different. My personal decision was to do my own thing because I figured in 25 years, I'm probably my net gain is going to be better than if if I do this for another 25 years. So speak to the culture a little bit. What are some ways that organizations, um, I heard you mention most of your work is B2B or B2C. How can organizations begin to change that so that the culture is inducive to everybody succeeding and getting opportunity? Yeah. So, you know, we focus specifically on on black men. So I can't necessarily speak for everybody because culturally that might look a little bit different for for different communities and different demographics. You know, we can get to the ways that it could and should possibly get done, but it comes down to promotions. It comes down to raises. That's what's going on in corporate America. It's competitive and people are there to make money. I could say period for impact or like an effect or a dramatic effect. But on one sense of the scale, it's period. That's why people are there. That's the game. That's why the corporation literally exists. Whatever they're selling is secondary. They're there to make a profit. Shareholders know it. Everybody knows it. 
So for our clients, that's a huge piece of the puzzle is getting paid. And you say, well, what they're worth, but that could be on, you know, what their peers are making, just what they're worth in the marketplace. And at times, you know, what they can negotiate for, uh, which could be more than just the average. But sometimes they just don't have that extended to them. The other piece is going to be levels of seniority. And really, like you said, getting topped out at a director level, that's where a lot of guys, they hit their peak. And it's really hard for them to get to, let's say, a VP level, let alone the C-suite. So it's about giving black men opportunities and not being more hypercritical of them than they would be their white peers or counterparts. It's about leveling the playing field, period. So, yeah, we could talk about all the ways and the programs and the diversity things and we need the workshops and the reducing bias here and all that. But that ultimately is what needs to happen. And I think you'll have a lot more black men that are saying corporate is for me. I can win here. The playing field is level. It's fair. I'm getting the looks. I got the education. I got the experience. I'm here for the rewards. So I think if they were getting them, you'd have a lot more guys saying there's a future for me here as opposed to. I have to become an entrepreneur, whether I even kind of want to or not. As you know, there's a lot of upside to being an entrepreneur, and it's not for everybody, and not everybody wins. A lot of people fail. That's just the reality. Not everybody is crushing it as an entrepreneur. It's a skill set like anything else. And that's just on, you know, like the culture and the organization. But then you have organizations like mine which are a gathering place for black men that are looking to advance, network with one another, share job leads. We have connections with recruiters at a lot of those organizations that are looking specifically for black men. We have agreements with them to give our clients a look at, of course, what's being offered publicly as far as jobs, but also internal roles, promoted roles, and opportunistic hiring. So if they like the talent enough considering making a job, for them. So really building those inroads and a culture of nepotism. I know, I know nepotism is, you know, the bad, the, the horrible and the wrong things about it. But this is reality. This is how the world works. You have to play to win. It's through networks. That's what we're building over here is a network for our clients to come be themselves, get the tools to win. The salary and seniority and satisfaction, it's hard for them to get on their own. And you didn't specifically make this sports analogy, but you said level the playing field. And then my the basketball mind of me said, OK, I love sports because the rules of the game are clear. If you score 35 points, get 20 rebounds and get 12 assists, you got a triple double. You're a great player. You get all the stuff that comes along with it. There's no question. So that's the thing that I love about sports is like it's, it's clear. The referees are supposed to call the calls the same no matter who it is. But I found that that's not the case a lot of times in corporate. The rules are not clear. The rules are not fair. And there's a lot of things that happen that are not based on what you do. Have you seen that? Do you deal with that? How do you help without giving away the farm? How do you coach your clients through that? Knowing that you're, you know, you could be putting up 35, 12 and 10 but you're not being evaluated the same. And in my mind, a lot of that is the internal conversations that we have with ourselves and not having a victim mentality. And some of it is understanding and realizing what the game actually is versus what it should be. Have you seen that in your practice? 
Yeah, there's a couple of things going on. We can push systemic racism aside for a moment and just get to what the individual you know can do to improve their scenario for promotion or raise. It's interesting. I just posted something like this on Facebook today about you know your career being in the hands of you know your boss who's white. How's that going? A lot of responses. A lot of guys that are love it, push back. You know the whole thing. People got their their opinions. It's welcome as long as it's respectful. And so, working with as many clients as I have at this point, a lot of our guys do a great job at the job. A job is only a part, it's about a third of your career strategy. It's only a piece of the puzzle. And that's table stakes, it's baseline. You have to do your job well to advance. So that's across the board. Unless you really got some a strong nepotism and a strong network going, you can get all kinds of places, unmerited. It happens all the time. So don't think that you have to be doing this great job to get an advance. You don't. To be plugged into networks is the most powerful way to get ahead, career-wise. But we're talking about doing your job well. So the next piece is really highlighting and showcasing what you're doing. You don't go a day without knowing McDonald's is selling a hamburger. They let you know every day, burgers for sale. We got different burgers. We got the big ones and the little ones and the cheesy ones and the bacony ones. And we got different stuff going on in the McRibs once a year and the Monopolies. We got stuff going on. They always let you know. A lot of our guys, they do their job and then that's about it. But the second part, building your career, it's running your own marketing campaign. You're your own boss now. And it's important to highlight, be it to your executive sponsor, if you have one, if you don't, you need one to your manager, absolutely, and other mentors and influential peers at the organization about what you're accomplishing, what you're learning, what value that you're bringing to your team, your role, your division, to the organization as a whole. And if you can put numbers on it, that's the language of business, percentages, before and after you got your hands on it. All of that paints a picture in everyone else's mind of your accomplishments and your value. You have to speak it. It doesn't speak for you. You have to run that campaign. Your manager isn't running it for you. So in doing that and staying top of mind with these key decision makers, when it comes time to promotion, and we can keep in that you have to work twice as hard for half. We'll keep that in the equation. But even with that in the equation, this is a method when it comes time for promotion, when it comes time for a raise. There's a long track record. The value is already built in 10 times more, possibly, than what they're paying you. In their mind, it's justified, which is very different from not doing any of that, saying any of that. And it comes time for review, and they're like, so who are you again? You know, nice to meet you. So what have you done? And you're then trying to sell cold at that point. It's a huge difference. So the most successful black men in corporate America, and I can't necessarily speak for other groups because this is just who I work with, this is what they're doing. They are running an internal campaign based on their job to highlight their value to key decision makers in the organization. So when opportunities come, they're top of mind. That's essential. And then the last thing is networking outside of your organization. It's running this campaign externally. It's building new relationships 
and other organizations, getting mentors, contacts, networks there. Because the best time to look for a job is when you have a job. You have the most leverage from that standpoint. And some of the top guys I've seen, they're changing jobs every two years. Not just getting promoted in their job, they're leaving company, getting a promotion, salary, seniority, and they're climbing multi-company, multi-industry. Why? Because it's about your career. Your job is only a portion, about a third of your overall career strategy, and they figured that out. That's not for everybody, but there are different tools that you can use to win. So kind of a, a long-winded but more comprehensive answer to dealing with not getting the looks, how to position yourself best to get them internally or externally in order to win. There's always a way forward. There's always a way to win, even if it's difficult. Thousand percent agree with you when you mentioned, you know, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. It is extremely difficult. It's extremely stressful. The failure rate is astronomical. My opinion is something, it is a skill set that you build, but you have to be built for it. Like you have to be built for the game of entrepreneurship. You just do. But I think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned from the skills that you can leverage, whether you're entrepreneurial or an intrapreneur, you're working inside of an organization. The skills are very similar. You mentioned uh, branding. I heard you mentioned sales. I heard you mentioned marketing operations. Like you got to make sure your budget's looking right. Numbers is the, the language of business, right? So having that mindset, I can see why your clients are, are successful because those are the things that whether you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, are the leading and lag, lagging indicators of success. Couldn't agree more. I often tell my guys, you know, you're your own CEO now. You're not waiting to get to somebody else to give you, you know, don you with the title in the crown. It's now. You're running your own business currently. For us as entrepreneurs, you know, we, we got a ton of bosses. All of our clients, you know, can fire us, pay us, any, you know. But we have a lot more flexibility because if we don't like one, we can X them out and go on to the next. So, Yeah, I've spent some time over the years, Jewel, really working on me, mastering who I am, what I love, what I don't love, what I like, what I don't like. And what that's gotten me is I really understand how to make myself the most productive and efficient because I know signals like last week, Monday, super frustrating day. Like a number of things had happened and it just was one of those days where it's like, man, let's, can we restart? <laughs> it was one of those days. 10 years ago, that would have knocked me off my horse. I would have missed meetings. I would have been like out of the game. But now I recognize the signal. And I think I made a post on LinkedIn about how frustration is actually a signal and an opportunity. And so I took that frustration. I said, okay, what am I actually frustrated about? Is it the thing that happened or is it the surrounding things that happened? And this thing that happened just brought out the frustration. So I went began this process of breaking that down, unpacking it and realized that it's nothing to do with the thing that happened. It, it's really other things in my business that I need to be paying more attention to and solving that led to the frustration. So I'm curious to know your take on when you're working with guys, are you taking that approach where it's like, okay, well, let's do some self-work, understanding your triggers, understanding what types of uh, personalities you attract, you repel, why those types of things, because I feel that that work has made me dangerous as an entrepreneur because I'm really honed in and I'm really efficient with those signals and really unpacking them. 
Yeah, the internal work is key. I use the 3M approach with my clients. So that's mindset, motivation, and massive action. And the mindset piece, it's absolutely essential. I, I tell my guys that, you know, if you're trying to get to the moon and you're even just a few degrees off, you miss. You don't want to miss in outer space. It's a, it's a long journey after that. Same thing, you know, being a father, and let's say you're playing with your, you know, your son and two years old or something, you're tossing them up in the air. If your hands are too few degrees off, that child hits the ground. That's a major problem. It has to be right. So that's a similar thing with mindset. And a lot of guys are coming with things that they've learned over the years or let's talk about it, traumatic experiences or you name it, that are in their subconscious mind and they're still driving them to do certain behaviors or not do other behaviors. Maybe they have fears around doing certain things. And as an entrepreneur where you're leading other people, you're convincing other people, you're supporting other people, you're making decisions on a daily basis that have real impacts on your lifestyle and your reality and you know, family man, other people as well, a lot of this stuff will come up. So to have a coach, to have a psychotherapist, a psychologist, to have a process of reflection where you can really, you know, for some guys that's journaling, for some guys it's through prayer, etc., some guys are sitting by the ocean or being in nature. Whatever it is that can help you see what's going inside of your own mind with some more clarity and ultimately find some resolution or a solution to it, it's going to be an essential part of your growth as an entrepreneur. You are going to be growing. You're a reflection of your business and where it's at. And so if you want your business to grow, you will have to grow internally. Your identity will actually have to shift to allow you to unlock higher levels of, of business success as well. So yeah, they're definitely one and the same. You know, some tools that I use for the mindset piece, if somebody's having a challenge, I usually just get inquisitive. So guys out there, this is something that you can do for yourself. You can journal or with your therapist or coach, you know, just have them really get inquisitive. If you have a block around something, just asking why. You know, the five whys is a great one. Well, why is that impacting you? And why is that? And why, and you just go down the, the rabbit hole five times till you get to the root experience or core belief. I'm not worthy. No one will love me. I won't be accepted. One I get often, a powerful one, is I'll lose my job and be homeless. You'd be surprised how many guys have that fear. I'll lose my job, lose my family, I'll be homeless on the streets. And usually once we get to the core belief, we can find out if that's true for them or what would they do in a worst case scenario. And these are resourceful guys. And so, you know, they come up with a solution. Well, I would do this or I would do that or I wouldn't let it get here because I would do this instead or I would try that. So then it goes into solution mindset, which is ultimately the nature of being an entrepreneur. We find solutions. As an employee, it's the same thing. You're finding solutions all the time. That's a similar experience of being an entrepreneur and employee, but that mindset piece of really getting to what is the block, identifying it, ideally on a core level, so it's not the surface thing, but you're getting the root of it, and then finding solutions to it. Well, actually, first seeing if it's even true for you, and then going forth and finding solutions to it, so you're prepared for it, and you can be strong, and you can move ahead. Yeah, it's funny. I tried the five whys on my son. By the second or third why, he recognizes what I'm doing. He's like, hey, are you doing the five whys? <laughs> He's like, I absolutely am. <laughs> yeah, why? 
Why? <laughs> so you've been able to do something, Jewel, that I think is remarkable, and that's convincing, especially black men, to get coaching and get therapy. That's not an easy thing to do. How'd you do it? Yeah. So it's about marketing. If And this is what took me years to create. And it's so simple now. It's black executive men. Oh, of course. That's easy. I could have thought of that. We all could have. It's, of course, that's what you would call it. It's an easy name to come up with. It's not the name that's difficult. It's three words. It's the concept behind it. And it's a framework that allows our clientele to say, that's for me. Black executive men is an aspirational identity. It's what our guys want to achieve. It says nothing about trauma. It says nothing about therapy. It says nothing about coaching even. Although you could make a tie, executive, executive coaching. But it doesn't say anything about needing any kind of help. It says full empowerment as a business class, as a black man in corporate America. Wherever your position, but top tier black men in the business world. That's what it says. So it may, it affirms the ego. It affirms a male identity, black male identity, the power thing. I want to say male identity formation, but on an ego sense. And when I say ego, I'm not referring to some negative thing where you may think you're better than others or you're actually insecure. No, we all have an ego. It's part of our formation as human beings in a healthy ego. You know, not overblown necessarily, but, you know, there could be some value in that in some circumstances if that was your marketing angle. But it's a good thing. You need to have that intact. And so oftentimes it's about meeting people where they're at or giving them what they want or where they want to get to selling the solution. And then you can get into the how later. And that's what it does. So if our name was like black men, tears, tissue and trauma. That's cringe factor off rip. Dudes don't want that. I don't even know if women would want that. It's just not appealing. So that was the probably the hardest thing in the creation of this business is really locking in what do my clients want? What do they want the most for my demographic? You know, do they want to be healthy and whole? Maybe, sure. They want to be the CEO. That's what they want. They want to have the money. They want to have the respect. They want to have the influence. They want to have the impact. So that's what we sell through that, through our name. And it's an identity. And we help get guys get there. And then through showing them how, yes, we may be talking about your relationship with your mom. Yes, we may be talking about that and how that impacts you today or your dad or racial dynamics or things that you feel insecure, imposter syndrome. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. But that's not the selling piece. That's the content pieces. So that's really the genius of it is to come up with that name and that concept because it has guys feeling safe, seen, represented, heard, understood in ways that many other spaces do not. So that's how we kind of go about doing it and then languaging it you know, we talk about unlocking extreme confidence. You know, we talk about tapping into, you know, what unlimited job leads. You know, we talk about what they want and we help them, you know, get it or move closer to achieving it. But the how and the what goes on, you know, but underneath the hood is, you know, it can get vulnerable. It can be some conversations. But if we tried to sell that on the front end, hell no. It'd be very hard. 
Yeah, that's beautiful in the execution and the implementation of it. That alone is a masterclass in having a business mind. So, Jewel, thank you so much for your time. If people want to reach out to you, learn more about Black Executive Men, how can they do that? Yeah, you can head over to our website. It's blackexecutivemen.com. It's spelled exactly how it sounds. One more time, it's blackexecutivemen.com. You can read more about what we do and in our philosophy and how we work with clients there. If you want to reach out for a consultation, if you're interested in services for yourself or bringing a training to your organization, you can schedule a call on the website. It's very easy to do and I look forward to speaking with you. Cool, man. Again, I appreciate your time and hopefully we'll we'll be able to connect again. I think there's so many other things that we can unpack and, and go deeper into. So I appreciate your time. Appreciate you as well. Thank you. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.